Man, what a great song to sing in the midst of, of what we're walking through. Just this idea that we sing out this, this hallelujah, this praise to God, understanding that He is always working good things for those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. Do you hold that to be true? Man, I'm so glad that you're here. Go ahead and grab a seat as we jump in. Um, I, you know, we, part of us just wants to like worship all day, just sing songs. And we also know we, we got to be, oh, they were excited about that. Uh, but we got to be careful, we know. And so we want to be careful uh, the ways that we're with one another in this gathered place. So I'm so glad that you're here today. I'm so glad that you're tuning in online. It's, it's good to have you, however you choose uh, to be connected. Right. So before we jump in, um, just want to say thank you for a couple of things. Number one, I just want to thank you for your patience and uh, for your grace in this season. It's been a crazy little season, hasn't it? And we're all learning as we go, and we're trying to make the best decisions we can given the information that we have, and we're walking through things. We're, we're asking God to give us wisdom, but I know we all have different perspectives, don't we? I mean, we all have different seats that we're sitting in. Like, for example, those of you who are sitting on this side, when I, when I did my own haircut, it was easier to do this side because it's just like right to the line, right to the part. So it was easier to shave this side. But people on this, and you might think, oh, Matt's a good like, barber. Like he did a good job on his hair. You might think that. But if you're sitting on this side, you realize what a terrible job I did cutting my hair because there's like a weird line that doesn't go straight. And so all of our perspectives are different, aren't they? And when we see circumstances in the world, sometimes we, we view them from a seat that we're sitting in that might be very different than some, how someone else is sitting. And part of being a community is uh, being humble and listening to other perspectives and not demanding our own way. And so I want to thank you for the ways that you've been humble and kind and generous and great, uh, graceful in the midst of this time together. Thanks for staying connected in the ways that you have. Um, you know, a lot of people have asked me, hey, uh, we, we recognize that in a time like this, giving probably has dropped dramatically when we're not meeting together. And listen, by the grace of God, by your faithful giving, our, our giving has not gone off a cliff like a lot of churches. There have been a, yeah, it's awesome. Um, and, and in addition to that, there have been so many of you, families, who have said, you know what, in this season, we want to give a little bit more to help bridge the gap for those who can't give because maybe they've lost their job or whatever it is. And so your generosity has, has been inspiring to us as a team, and also it's just a picture of God's faithfulness to us as a church. And we can celebrate that together, right, that God has been good in this season and we've continued on. You're continuing to give to the mission. We are putting some plans together for the fall. I know we're all ready to get back to normal, whatever that may look like. We're putting some pl uh, plans together for the fall, and we're, we're looking at different contingency plans given what's going on in our world. And so we are really, really excited for what's to come. Um, I just sat with our team and uh, some, some on our team and worked through our, our teaching for the next uh, six to nine months. And I am like so pumped about the, the teachings, uh, what we're going to be learning together. Some of you are like, Matt, you are such a nerd. I know, I am a nerd, and that's just who I am. And I'm going to nerd out a little bit today. Are you okay with that? Okay, yes, I got a couple with me. And the good news is, halfway through the message, we're going to watch a cartoon together. Who's excited about that? A little cartoon? 
because cartoons always help us understand things sometimes that words can't. So we'll get to some cartoons here in a minute that, will, um, that are powerful. So I'm just going to be honest and upfront, which some of you are like, does that mean you're not usually honest and upfront? That's not what I mean. Thank you for your grace and your kindness. <laughs> um, but so the last, the last few weeks uh, in, in our country specifically and what's been going on in our world has been really, really challenging. And I think all of us, again, come at it from different perspectives and different seats where we're sitting and then the relationships in our upbringing, how we've been raised, where we were raised, all of that makes a difference in how we see the world and the circumstances of the world. And I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus is everything to me. I love Jesus more than anything in this world. And I believe the perspective, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus should inform the way that we live our lives today. And so I always want to look to Jesus to set the the path for us when we are experiencing circumstances like we're experiencing in our world today. And um, so in, in these last few weeks, I've dug in and jumped into Scripture and turned my attention to the concept of justice in a way that I never have and it's been eye-opening. It's amazing what happens when you read the Bible. Um, and actually, sometimes we assume certain things about the Bible, and we were taught certain things. I grew up in church. Anybody else grow up in church? And a lot of times when you grow up in church, you hear things a lot, and then you just assume it's true and that you don't need to do your own research. Listen, I hope one of the things that I, that I want to encourage you to do, whatever you hear from me, go do research. Like, read Scripture for yourself. Like, dig into Scripture. And sometimes the things that we assume to be true, we, we are confronted with Scripture and, and the Spirit of God in a way that it convicts us and then transforms us, which is a good thing. It's good news. And listen, there, there is going to be no time in human history until, until we see Christ again that we will have arrived at the perfect theology. Like, none of us will get it all right. Like, I wish we did. Don't you wish we could just say, oh, after 2,000 years of studying Jesus and all that he said and all that he taught, I finally have it. I've got it. This is it. But that's just not going to happen. We're all going to miss some different perspectives. And so I hope we'll be open together. Usually when I run into some difficult teachings, um, I like to bring you in on it. Uh, Misery loves company, something like that, right? Or is it Missouri Loves Company? I don't know. It's the same thing, isn't it? Right, Florentine? Anyway, um, so I want to I talk about justice and righteousness as a part of this series, uh, Life is Liturgy. We, we jumped into this series, and, and we wanted to dig into the, the concept that many of us view spirituality, and we, we view Christianity as something that we do at certain points in our, in our lives or in our weeks. Some of us have a checklist. Any checklist people? Some checklist people, so it's easy to go, okay, I did my Sunday morning, I did my Bible reading, I did my prayer time, I gave some money, I did that, so my spirituality is good, my relationship with God's good, and um, what, we're t- what we're talking about is the concept that our life is to be our offering to God. It's our worship, our whole life. What would it look like for our whole life to be a liturgy, a lived expression of, of wanting to love God and love other people well? Like, what would that look like, rather than trying to segment our lives into different pieces or spheres of, of culture and work and home and 
marriage and parenting, and then there's the Jesus part of me too. Now, what would it look like for it to be all consumed together, a holistic view? So that's what life as, as liturgy is all about. Last week we talked about, do you remember what we talked about last week? Anyone? You're just practicing right now. Silence. We talked about silence. So that was a good job, you guys. Well done. You got me. I'll just go with that. Um, and, and today I want to turn our attention to, to this phrase that is found over 50 times in Scripture combined, justice and righteousness. Justice and righteousness. From the beginning of the Bible to the end, we find these two concepts, these ideas. And um, like I said, I, I, I want to just be transparent. Sometimes when I think about justice, I think about punishment. I think about the justice system. I think about the idea that when, when people, like when we demand justice, what we're demanding is punishment. Have you ever thought about it that way? Anybody with me on that? Anyone? So justice is about punishment towards certain people, and righteousness is about me living a good life. Like I'm, I'm to do the right thing. Righteousness is about doing the right thing. Like it's a good life. I'm going to be a good person or a right person. So justice is this big concept that's kind of out there, and righteousness is more about what I'm supposed to do. And in Scripture, the two are kind of put together in a, in a very interesting way. Now, this is impossible, but I want to... I, I hope that we can kind of put out of our minds justice in the um, today modern view of justice, of just punishment, and, and just open ourselves to what maybe Scripture talks about in terms of justice. So here's where I want to start, and then we're going to get to the cartoon. I know some of the kids were excited about cartoons. We'll get there. And yes, yes. That was an adult who said that. But I'm going to teach you a couple Hebrew words. Anyone for some Hebrew? And then I'll wake the other ones up. Um, after they fall asleep with the Hebrew words. Okay, so here it is, Jeremiah. Uh, and I, say, I think this is so applicable to where we are in our culture today. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in wisdom, or the powerful boast in power, or the rich boast in their riches. Now, three uh, very interesting uh, pictures that he's painting our culture tends to lift these th three things up as, as the most important pursuits of life. Have you noticed that? The idea of wisdom, like knowledge, gaining that. Uh, the idea of power, like putting yourself in a position that you, you can have power over your own life or security. Are you with me still? And then financial, like the wealth side of things. So often, these three are kind of the pursuits of our lives and the things that we talk about as being successful. Now, in this passage right here, does it talk about any of these three things being bad or evil? No, it's not there. So it doesn't say, don't allow people to become wise, because wisdom is good. It doesn't say, don't allow people to be powerful, because power sometimes can be good. It depends on how you leverage it. And it does not say don't become wealthy because wealth can be good. It just depends on how you leverage that wealth. So here's what the Lord says. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and, I am the, and that I am the Lord who, three things that he gives us, who demonstrates what? Mercy. Who demonstrates mercy. Remember, mercy 
is um, not giving someone what they deserve, like holding back maybe something like in a, in a negative sense what they deserve. So I am the Lord who demonstrates mercy, who brings justice and righteousness, those three things, mercy, justice, and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things. Jeremiah, speaking on the Lord's behalf, is saying that, that God is saying to us, don't get all worked up in just wisdom and power and money, but rather get worked up in knowing me and walking with me and understanding mercy and true justice, which we're going to get to, and righteous living. And these are the things in which I delight. This is what a successful life really looks like according to God. So let's dig into these two words, justice. Um, the concept of justice, the, the Hebrew word is mishpat. Can you say mishpat? Some of you will remember that. Some of you, it's gone now and you won't ever remember. It's found all over the Bible. It's translated most of the time to the word justice, but it also could mean verdict. The big concept, though, isn't necessarily like punishment, like we normally think of justice or the justice system. The big concept is right, righteousness or rightness rooted in God's character. The concept being that the way that God originally created the world, that is justice. Now think about how God created the world. He created a, a garden and Adam and Eve, and he walked with Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve had no, um, they, they had no real tension between the two of them. It says that they were, you're going to laugh at the way I say this word. It says they were naked, or naked, however you want to say it. They had no clothes on, but they felt no shame. There's so much truth in that, that the way that God created humanity was that we could be with him and be with one another with no shame. How awesome would that be? if we didn't feel shame with other people? Like if we didn't feel like we weren't good enough? Anybody struggle with that? I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. Like shame holds us back from being vulnerable in front of other people. Justice ties into this idea of, of the way that God originally created it. How can we be equal as humans again without feeling any shame? How can we walk with God without feeling less than once again? That's the idea of, of justice. Righteousness, uh, zedekah. Can you say zedekah? Zedekah, not zadziki. I said that in the first service. It's different. Zadziki is a dip. You're going to be hungry now. That you like crackers and pita bread and all that. Zedekah is translated most of the time righteousness, but it's actually a synonym, sometimes used as a synonym to justice, and it means acting in a way to restore right relationship. It actually is the things that we do um, when, when we're unequal with other people, whether we're here or here, that it's, it's the actions of, of bringing us back into right relationship with one another. That's righteousness. So often, I misunderstood righteousness to be like, this godly kind of life where I read my Bible and I pray and I sing the worship songs and I'm a, a relatively good person to those around me. But righteousness, scripturally, in the Bible, means that I'm actually actively working to lift those up who have been set aside or put down to bring them back into right relationship in this world. Are you with me still? 
I told you I was going to nerd out a little bit on you. Biblically speaking, um, so often uh, we think of, again, justice in a retributive way. So uh, retributive justice is, is punishing offenders for the ways they've broken the law or mistreated other people, and punishment is uh, proportional to, to the offense. Now, we understand this. This is justice system, right? Retributive justice. You do something, we're going to punish you for that, and your punishment's going to be somewhat equal to what you've done. You have to pay the price. Are you with me still? Does that make sense? We do this as parents sometimes. We do it in our places of business, all of that. You'll find this some in the Bible, but more often than not, you find what's called restorative justice, when it talks about justice and righteousness, this idea of restorative justice is we're working to restore right actions and relationships when one has broken the law or mistreated others. And those two are very different things, retributive justice and restorative justice, restoring people to the image of God in which they were created, restoring them to right relationships so that we're all seen as sons and daughters of God. None of us looked, uh, looked away from or set aside by, by the culture or by other people does that make sense? Restorative versus retributive justice. And the Bible so often is speaking about God restoring humanity, not punishing humanity. Restoring us to right relationship with him and right relationship with one another. And listen, Jesus teaches this. When they asked him, what's the most important commandment? He said to love God and you will, you will know this, like you will, you will love God in the ways that you love one another and restore one another to rightness, both with him and with each other. Listen, without a doubt, regardless of how we feel about it, in Scripture, God's heart is always toward the poor, the oppressed, the widows, and the orphans without a doubt. Uh, women who have been left behind by someone who has passed away, but by that culture had been set to the side and were not taken care of, God's heart was always for the widow. Orphans, children who had no parents or whose parents had disowned them because they didn't want to have to worry about a kid running around and messing up their world, God's heart was always toward the orphan. The poor whether it was their own work or someone else's work that had put them in that position where they were poor and they didn't have any standing, God's heart was always towards the poor and the marginalized. His heart was always towards the marginalized. And for those of us who claim to follow Jesus, our heart will be there as well. Where God's heart, where God's heart is, our heart should be. Now, I mean, videos and cartoons sometimes help us and seeing some things that words can't describe. So I want you to see this, this work. The Bible Project's one of our partners. They're amazing. They do some incredible work. They put together these cartoons that help take themes and, and help us to understand them. So uh, this is all on justice. You can find it online because there's so much here. Uh, but let's just get a quick peek at the biblical view of justice. If you were a praying mantis, it would be socially acceptable to devour your mate. And if you're a honey badger, you have no regard for other animals. You don't care. If you're a panda with twins, it's normal to abandon one to take care of the other. 
But if humans do any of these things, we would call it wrong, unfair, or unjust. Yeah, why is that? Why do humans care so much about justice? Well, the Bible has a fascinating response to that question. On page one, humans are set apart from all other creatures as the image of God. Yeah, God's representatives who rule the world by his definition of good and evil. And this identity, it's the bedrock of the Bible's view of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that. But we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. It shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others. Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them. And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families and then in communities and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Yeah, doing righteousness, that's a Bible word I don't really use. But what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even mean, being good? The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like... Here, in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these words mean for the prophets, like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free but he thwarts the way of the wicked. Whoa, he thwarts the wicked? Yeah, in Hebrew, the word wicked is rasha. It means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as an image of God. So justice and righteousness is a big deal to God. Yes, it's what Abraham's family, the Israelites, were to be all about. They ended up as immigrant slaves, being oppressed unjustly in Egypt. And so God confronted Egypt's evil, declaring them to be rasha, guilty of injustice. And so he rescued Israel. But the tragic irony of the Old Testament story is that these redeemed people went on to commit the same acts of injustice against the vulnerable. And so God sent prophets who declared Israel guilty. 
But they weren't the only ones. There's injustice everywhere. Yeah, some people actively perpetrate injustice. Others receive benefits or privileges from unjust social structures they take for granted. And sadly, history has shown that when the oppressed gain power, they often become oppressors themselves. So we all participate in injustice, actively or passively, even unintentionally. We're all the guilty ones. And so this is the surprising message of the biblical story. God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift, the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, and yet he died on behalf of the guilty. But then God declared Jesus to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead. And so now Jesus offers his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God, not because of anything they've done, but because of what Jesus did for them. The earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status, but as a power that changed their lives and compelled them to act in surprising new ways. Yeah, if God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, the only reasonable response is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. This is a radical way of life, and it's not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah. God has told you, humans, what is good and what the Lord requires of you is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. There's a lot there. Um, I love that idea of taking other people's problems and making them your own as followers of Jesus. And I think sometimes we fail in that. So Micah, the passage that he ended with, the whole idea of, of Micah and what Micah is calling out as a prophet is to say to, to those who, who are hoping to follow God is to be very careful as what you view as the most important thing to God. So he says this, Micah, what can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring burnt offerings? Should we bow before him with calves, sacrifices? No, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires. It's not about our offerings of animals. It's not even about our songs that we sing. He wants us to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. There's a number of passages that are pointed out in, in, the, uh, in the video. We're going to post those this week. Each day we'll post a different one. And um, they're all a challenge to us toward how we can live in, in justice and toward righteousness in the world in which we live. Now, um, my big question as I've been wrestling with this is, what do I do? Anybody else with me? Like, what do we do with this? Like, what's, what's my responsibility in a world where injustice is all over the place? Like, what's my, what's my role as a follower of Jesus? Now, almost always in Scripture when it talks about justice and righteousness, it's talking about a relational connection. 
And the most important thing that we can do is to enter into relationship with those who are different, those who have different perspectives, and we walk that relationship out in a humble way, humbly with God. To, at times, take on uh, problems of other people and claim them as our own. For example, some of our mission partners, uh, AZ Hope in a Future, our track camp is about taking the, the issue that our state has with the foster children and making it our own, doing what we can to, to bring justice to some who have been set aside. See how this like, is a realistic and a practical thing? We take uh, foster children, those who have been set aside, and we do all that we can with the, the, the power, the wealth, um, the wisdom that we've been given, no matter how we've received that, and we leverage it to lift them up to restore right relationship in this world. Are you with me? And that's the call of the church. That's what our missions, it's supposed to infiltrate everything about us, but I think so often we fail to do what God has called us to do in this. Um, as your pastor, I confess that I haven't always had my eye on the target. And there have been times that I've missed it. And I want us as a church to, to pursue justice and righteousness, a biblical view of that. To, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God as we continue to develop this community following Jesus, learning to love. So this week, what can you do? I love what Andy Stanley said. He says this, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. When you, when you encounter a moment of injustice, whereas we might not be able to influence the big social structures that exist, we can do for one person what we wish we could do for everyone, right? And that's the call. Relationally, to do for one person what we wish we could do for everyone. And then I've got some homework for you. You ready for some homework? No. I love that we have kids in the room today because they say what you want to say, but you're not going to say it because you're, you know, the shame thing that you're covering up and you don't want others. But you're saying to yourself, really, Matt, you're going to give me homework? A little bit of homework this week. Uh, a few of us did this last week just to test it out. There is a, um, a reading plan on Uversion, and I push Uversion as much as I can. You can have it on your device. There's a reading plan, um, and it's, it's put together by the Bible Project. It's called Justice. It's three days. You can do three days, right? Anybody can do three days. Jump in, do that reading plan for three days, and dig into Scripture and what Scripture talks about in terms of justice. But then I've got some extra credit for those who want a gold star next week. Anyone? Oh. These guys at the Bible Project, they take these themes and they do podcasts, and they go really deep into questions and you know, what does the Old Testament say about justice? What is the New Testament? Are they the same? What about Jesus? How does that fit together? And they have four podcasts on justice. Now, they're pretty long. I doubt any of you are going to do all four of them. That's my way of trying to, like, nudge some of you, the competitive ones among us. But there's one that I think is a great summary, and it's the, um, the justice Q&R, questions and responses. And if you go into Google and just type in Bible Project, keep those words together, Bible Project, Justice Q&R, that podcast will pop up. It's about an hour, 50 minutes to an hour, I think. You can listen to it on one and a half times speed. <laughs> I really want you to listen to it. 
whatever you need to do, because I think it really challenges the ways that we view what God has called us to do and the people he's called us to be. Are you with me? Now, um, we want to sing to close our time together about the reckless love of God who was willing to, to leave the 99 to pursue the one. And you're the one, and I'm the one, and he's the one, and she's the one, and they're, like God loves us so much that he was willing to leave the comfort of, of home to become one of us in Jesus and to pursue us and to give his life for us. And that's the reckless love we sing about. Would you stand with me as we sing this? Father God, we um, thank you for your love for us, which was reckless. And God, we claim your life, the life of Christ, as our own. His righteousness we claim as our righteousness. And God, this compels us to love others in the same way. May we not see this just as a, a badge to wear or a title to claim as Christian, but may we be moved to pursue justice and righteousness in this world, to lift up those who have been set aside or oppressed or forgotten, to restore right relationship with them for your kingdom. We pray this in the name of Jesus.